Okay, so before we get started in the book of Acts, let's talk some facts about Acts. I didn't mean to do that, but yes, that works. So Acts, the book of Acts, we know that it's two books, right? It's the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts, written by the same person, Luke. We know that Luke is not one of the disciples. He's a physician um, called... Uh, to serve with Paul and uh, halfway or, or a certain part in Acts, he starts including himself in the account and he starts saying we um, instead of they and, and other people. He includes himself. Um, it's addressed to Theophilus. Uh, we don't know much about Theophilus. There are a lot of theories. I could get into all the theories, but we know that his name means friend of God or loved by God. So it's kind of cool that no matter who that dude is, we can take this for ourselves, that this is a book addressed to those who are loved by God and friends of God. Um, whoever he was, he had high social standing um, because he was addressed as most excellent. And, um, and it chronicles the early church um, for 30 years. So the timeline from the beginning of Acts to the end is 30 years of, of church history. Doesn't talk about every single detail in church history, but it, it's chronicling certain things. And that leads to one of the theories is that the book of Acts and Luke, which are two books that are meant to be together, um, one of the theories is that it's actually like a legal document when, when uh, Paul was in prison in Rome and... Um, that you know, Luke wrote down all the facts, and that Theophilus is a is a Roman official. But we don't know, and that really doesn't uh, affect our faith. Uh, the other thing is that the Book of Acts, you can break it down into when Jesus later on we're going to read where he talks about um, being witnesses. Uh, I'll read it right now to of him in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The book of Acts is broken up into witnessing in Jerusalem, that's uh, chapter 1 through 7, witnessing Judea and Samaria, that's chapter 8 through 12, and witnessing to the ends of the earth, and that's chapter 13 to the end. Another fun fact about Acts is that the work of the Holy Spirit is mentioned more than 50 times in the book of Acts. So with that in mind, let's read verse 1. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and teach. And let's stop right there. All that Jesus began to do and teach. So think about that. The book of Luke the entire gospel, all the gospels we read, everything that you, we know about Jesus through the gospels from beginning, from the birth, from John the Baptist, through all the miracles, through the changing of lives, through the discipleship, every single thing, through his death taking upon himself the sins that were due to us and his resurrection, all of that is the beginning it's the beginning. It's all that Jesus began to do or teach. So you can look at the, the gospel of Luke as being 
what Luke wrote as the beginning of what Jesus started to do here on earth. And Acts is the continuation. Another cool thing about Acts is that it ends on a cliffhanger. Um, So it doesn't really end because we are living the book of Acts. Uh, I look at the book of Acts like an origin story. And, you know, when I was talking to the youth, I was talking to them about, um, you know, Star Wars. And, and then you have, you know, the first, you know, Star Wars. And then, but then you have the ones from before that have the whole story of where you get to that first one that we first started watching. So a lot of us are saved. You know, we received, um, you know, the, the forgiveness, you know, we, we believe in Jesus, we, we've, we've committed our life to him, um, but it's cool to see in Acts how Jesus started the church. And Jesus himself said, I will build my church. It's his work. He continues to work. Our Bible, uh, some Bibles will say Acts, the Acts of the Apostles or something like that. I don't know if your, your Bible says that. Um, but that was written by man. You know, those, sometimes those titles on the very top. The g- Word of God, let me just make it clear, is 100% complete. It, it's, it's, it's pure. There's, there's, you know, we take it to entirety as truth. Sometimes Bibles are printed with certain things that are written, and those things can be, you know, left to interpretation. It's what somebody just wrote. It's not considered the Word of God. And, uh, but really, you, the work that is being done, the acts that are being done through acts is that of, of Jesus. Like I said, the work of the Holy Spirit is mentioned 50 times. So we look at it and it's his work and he's still working to this day in our lives. In verse two, it says, until the day which he was taken up and after through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. To whom he presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. You don't have to turn to it, but you can write for your notes. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 5, Paul says, And that he, speaking of Jesus, was seen by... Cephas, Cephas. Then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present. But some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James, then by all the the apostles. So we see that Jesus, um, after the resurrection, kept you know, meeting people, kept, you know, doing his work, doing what he does best is, 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 is just showing us how real he is. And, and he showed that for 40 days, the Bible says, and at one point to 500 people at one time. And, and then before Jesus physically was ascended, we see in Acts um, chapter 1, verse 4, and being assembled together with them, talking about the apostles, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. 
We're living this origin story, and this is the beginning. Um, Jesus commanded that they, not only the, disciple, the, the, the apostles, but disciples that were there, to remain in Jerusalem. So it, it, it blows my mind to think how everything that we know of Christianity, everything that we experience today, everything that has been, you know, like messed up or that, 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 that man has twisted, everything that, that we call being a Christian, being in a church, the mega churches, the, 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 the Bibles, the, the controversies, everything that, that the, the world has been turned upside down by what, by the church, by, by who we are, which are the, those that believe in Jesus Christ and have received that gift of salvation. Everything started with about 120 people that were really scared to death, if you think about it, because their master, their, their Jesus, who they knew as God, who they know as God, um, was crucified. And now he's telling them, stay here in Jerusalem, the one place where all these events are going, where all this hatred is being stirred up. And, and that's how the church started. So then Jesus says, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. Jesus speaks, we don't have time to go through every verse, but Jesus spoke a lot about the Holy Spirit. And that's the promise that he's talking about. If you can turn to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 16. The Gospel of John, chapter 16, verse 7. Jesus says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. So this is just one of the many verses. And if you want to do your homework from, I think it's John, Gospel of John 14, 15, and 16, there's a lot of mention of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is talking about his, his presence and, and how we... We, we are to get our strength from him. Um, and Jesus just commanded them to wait, simply to wait. And that reminds me of Isaiah. You don't have to turn to it. Uh, chapter 30, verse 15, that says, For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest you will be saved. In quiet, quietness and confidence shall be your strength. So our strength, that promise that Jesus gave, gave it to the disciples, given it to us, the access is there by waiting, by waiting. And that's all that Jesus commanded them to do is to wait for that promise. It's a gift. It's something we receive. It's not something we try to attain. It's not something that we have to be a certain way so that we can have it, be in a certain place, it's a gift that Jesus promised, and he promised by waiting, to attain it by waiting. In Acts chapter, back at Acts chapter 1, verse 5, Jesus goes on to say, For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit 
not many days from now. So he's asked the disciples to wait for the promise. And then Jesus says, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. See, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance, of turning away from sins. But the Holy Spirit, the word of God speaks of, is as a comforter, as an advocate, a helper, a teacher, a guide. We know that the Holy Spirit is God. And we shouldn't make the distinction that the Holy Spirit is anything different than God. We, have, we believe in, in God. We believe in God. A lot of us, we always say, we believe in God. We believe in God. We believe in Jesus. And, and I, I really hope we all here believe in Jesus. And, and if you don't, you, there's still time. There is an opportunity. We believe in Jesus. But do we believe in the Holy Spirit? Do we recognize what the Holy Spirit is? In our minds, we understand reading the Old Testament, God, and, and the power of God, and the things God did. And then we read the Gospels, and then we see Jesus, and, and man on earth, and, but man, but fully God, fully man and fully God. And then we, 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 we can relate, and we see, um, you know, the acts, and, and that he's man, and, and, and walking, and, and talking, and all the things he's done, and and then the Holy Spirit sometimes becomes a blur, you know, in our walk with the Lord. You know, we're like, yeah, the Holy Spirit. And, and sometimes it becomes a doctrine. So, you know, we as believers, we, especially um, the believers that we are today, where we have so much access to the Word of God, um, there, there are so many things that are coming at us in all angles, you know, and it's so easy for us to understand, and not only just the Word of God, but then we also have books, and we have uh, theologies, and all these things. So then we categorize things, and, and it's so easy to say, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it's a doctrine. And I believe in the Father, I believe in the Son, I believe in the Holy Spirit. But what is the Holy Spirit to us? See, the Holy Spirit is not a doctrine. The Holy Spirit is real. The Holy Spirit is something that God is not intending for us to know as a doctrine, but the Holy Spirit is something that God wants us to experience. In Acts chapter 6, moving on, I mean chapter 1, verse 6, therefore when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Verse 7, and he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses of me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Before we get to verse 7 and 8, it's interesting and I, and I'm, I have to think carefully about this as I don't want to offend any any. Anyone, but it's interesting how Jesus is talking about what is his promise and what is coming. And the disciples, they turn or they kind of bypass the, the, the point of what Jesus is saying and say, therefore, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of, of Israel? They're more concerned with prophecy than they are 
with what God has for them in the now, at the moment. They're more concerned with uh, establishing a kingdom on earth. They're more concerned with, they know the, the prophecies, they know the things that have been said, they know. And it's interesting that Jesus' response doesn't, um, doesn't disprove the prophecy or what they're saying, doesn't say that they're wrong, but he's saying it's not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You see, the point is that we can be very absorbed with the things that, are, that we want or that we want to see or that we're interested in. But then Jesus is saying, now is the moment to have the power of the Holy Spirit. This is what's important. And what is the power that Jesus is promising? What is the power of the Holy Spirit? And what does it mean to have the power of the Holy Spirit? I mean, we read uh, and we see how one is, is to receive the power of the Holy Spirit is simply, simply obeying Jesus' command. Simply obeying his word is how the church first re received this gift of the Holy Spirit by waiting, by resting, by having that confidence that God's word is true, that Jesus is God, that, that Jesus has um, paid the price for my sins. I'm clean, I'm sanctified. He has done all the work. I have received them. I'm a child of God. And now I'm gonna wait and I'm gonna have that confidence that this is the promise that Jesus spoke in his own words that he's to give to us. Spoke to the disciples, but he spoke and he speaks to every single one of us. And the power we see, when, when I think of the power of the Holy Spirit, or when I used to think of the power of the Holy Spirit, um, you know, we, we, we see a lot of um, things on TV. Uh, I, mean, I grew up at a time where there were a lot of tele-evangelists. Uh, it's not so much a thing. Now, now they're, all, they're all hip and cool or whatever. And, but at the time, there were all these like, like people like really preaching at you. And a lot of times they were really blasphemous, the things that they were doing. There was, I remember there was an evangelist that would sell a handkerchief with his own sweat it's just kind of gross if you think about it because he's anointed and you would get in the mail. I mean, I never did this, but I remember <laughs> you would get in the mail like, like um, uh, a piece of cloth that the dude sweat on. And, and it was like stuff like that, you know. Um, and, and there was all this promise. And, and I remember, um, actually, I went to the Miami Arena. There was a conference on on spiritual warfare, and I was just like this young, naive teen, and I'm like, yeah, and the guy came out in battle fatigue, and, and they were like, we're warriors of God, and, and, and then um, the things he was doing was psychology. It wasn't even the true power of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't, it wasn't from the Lord now, I realize, but back then, there was a lot of hype. Um, there are churches today that that one of their, their methods to get, um, you know, believers uh, excited and, and, and motivated for God is, is, to, is to do things with the lighting and, and with, with fog machines and, and, and certain things to try to, you know, create that excitement. And, and that's not the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, 
you know, I used to think of power as when you, when you read an Acts, you see speaking in tongues. So, you know, we're like, um, yeah, I grew up at a time where I was going to a Pentecostal church, and the Pentecostal churches strongly believe that if you're not speaking in tongues, you're not saved, or there's something wrong with you, or you're lacking, and, 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 um, and it's not necessarily speaking in tongues, um, but if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, you are lacking, you know, that's something that, that they are right about. Um, but that focus on the tongues itself, on the gifts of, you know, if there's healings, that's power. If, if you're prophesying, that's power. If, you know, if you're vocal about things, if you're a witness that you're going out, that's power. You know, all these things we think as power. And, but what Jesus says is the Holy Spirit will come upon you in verse 8. And you will be witnesses of me in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and all the ends of the earth. See, that power allows you to be a witness. But then, you know, sometimes we think, oh, witness, that means that, that you're just like this awesome orator. You know, the, 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 the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you'll know what to say to your coworkers and all these things. And yeah, God does those things. But that word witness means Martyr. It's literally martus or martyr, M-A-R-T-U-R, martyr. And it's defined as one who bears witness by his death. So our lives, and, and that quickly reminds me of, if you turn to Romans chapter 12, God says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, the power of the Holy Spirit gives us the power to deny ourselves. It gives us the power to be living sacrifices. That doesn't come natural for us. Um, and it takes a whole lot for us to give up our own desires. And our own desires run deep. When we're saved, when we receive, the, uh, receive Jesus Christ and his gift of salvation... Um, we know that we've received his spirit within us, but we also have his flesh within us. And that's basic to our understanding of our walk with the Lord. But that flesh, it just, it won't die. And it's not natural for it to die. It's not easy for it to die. Uh, Matthew, you don't have to turn to it. Matthew 10, 38 says, and he who does not take his cross to follow after me is not worthy of me. In Matthew 16, verse 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow after me. In Romans chapter 8, verse 13, I'm just reading these for the sake of time. 
but you can write them down for your notes. Romans chapter 8, verse 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the Spirit again to fear, but you received the Spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. And um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 3, we have Paul talking about his experiences, and we get a glimpse of what it means to be in the power of the Holy Spirit. He says, I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. See, the way the world sees power is totally different than the way God sees power. We think of power as something that we attain and the Holy Spirit is not something that we attain. The power of the Holy Spirit is not something that we get. And that's why there's a lot of frustration in uh, people's walks with the Lord because they think that it's something they get and that they'll have and that they'll hold. But the Holy Spirit is simply us yielding to God's Spirit, allowing Him to do the work through us. Um, you've heard the term, I, I want to be on fire for the Lord, right? You know, how many times have we said that? And, how many times have I said that? I want to be on fire for the Lord. Um, but I was reading somewhere, and I, and I forgot where it was. A quote that was really, really cool is that to be on fire for the Lord doesn't mean that we are just these awesome, you know, powerful, you know, fired up people, you know. To be on fire for the Lord means that He is the fire. And we're simply the fuel for the fire. We are no different than when you see logs put together and, and you have a bonfire or something. The fire is hot, the fire glows, but who we are apart from Jesus, ourselves, is just to be consumed. It's to be consumed until it's nothing but ashes that the wind blows away. Until we understand that, we won't be able to fully walk in that power of the Holy Spirit, in that power that, that, that Jesus intended for every single one of us to walk in. Um, Jesus gave him the example for us. You know, Jesus being fully man and fully God lived the perfect Christian life and surrendered his life completely to the will of the Father to show us the example of what a, a true Christian effective witness is. Because Jesus was the witness to the Father, as we are the witness to Jesus, right? And, and Jesus, um, in Luke, if you turn to Luke, Gospel of Luke, chapter 3, As you're turning there, 
Keep in mind, for 30 years, we don't know much about the life of Jesus. For 30 years. We know that for those 30 years, he's fully God and fully man. For those 30 years, he is the Son of God. For those 30 years, he is the Messiah. But in those 30 years, we don't know very much. Until this day, in Luke chapter 3, verse 22, we read, as Jesus is baptized, and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son. In you I am well pleased. Keep in mind, this is before all of the miracles, all of those things that we have documented, that we have seen. God is pleased with him from the simple things that Jesus was showing obedience. And those simple things that no one has even heard of. And then now, the power of the Holy Spirit descends upon him. And after this moment is when we see so many miracles, when we see the world turn upside down, is when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon Jesus in Luke chapter 4, if you turn over to chapter 4, Jesus says in chapter, in verse 17, and he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. Now, stop right there before we go on. One thing to keep in mind with, um, with Luke, so the gospel of Luke and Acts is that, and this is another reason why people think this was a, like, a, like a legal proof of, of, of Jesus and what he, he did, you know, on earth and also what he continued to do with the church is that it's an orderly account. So, so Luke goes in order, right? So we read in chapter 3 that the Spirit descended upon him, upon Jesus. And now we read in chapter 4, verse 17, and he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it is written, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. So we see Jesus himself being fully God, fully man, setting the example for us, needing the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, when that anointing came upon him is when his ministry on earth was radically uh, empowered, I, I would say, or, or, or just come to life and in, in where we see God's power and, um, you know, we can live our lives receiving the gift of salvation, and, and that's it. And most of us do. Um, I was reading an interesting um, little book um, that I think Joe Foch mentioned in one of the teachings. Um, and it talks about these different um, people in, in re more recent history, you know, like the 1800s, 1900s, you know, uh, godly men, of, men and women of God that we know of and how every single one of them had a moment in their life where, where some encounter with the presence of God 
you know, radically changed them. And, you know, like, um, I don't know, Moody was one of them. And, and, and Moody had uh, um, the biggest church in, in Chicago. And people were being saved and all these things were being done. And, and then people kept coming up to him, strangers saying, you need to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You need to, and, and he shrugged it off, but then it, it kept lingering in his mind until one day, um, two ladies, um, two older ladies were telling him, and then they came and they, they prayed together, and that started this whole thing that God kept, started doing in his life where he received the, the power of the Holy Spirit, where he had, uh, where things were opened up in a different way, and and there are many people where, where that, that happened to um, famous, you know, Christians. And one of them is, um, let me see if I find it here, was called, his name is um, A.J. Gordon. And A.J. Gordon had a, a church, was a pastor for six years, and, and, until he had an encounter with the Lord, with the Lord and the Holy Spirit, where it just... It became so so real, and he experienced the, the the fullness of the filling of the Holy Spirit. And this is one of the quotes that he says about this. Uh, A.J. Gordon says, "It costs much." Speaking about um, receiving the power of the Holy Spirit to obtain this power, it costs self surrender and humiliation, and the yielding up of our most precious things to God. It costs the perseverance of long waiting and the faith of strong trust. But when we are really in that power, we shall find this difference. That whereas, whereas before it was hard for us to do the easiest things, now it's easy for us to do the hardest. And again, this is not because we become powerful it's because God is doing that work in us. The Holy Spirit is necessary. The Holy Spirit is a promise. The Holy Spirit Jesus spoke about. And the Holy Spirit is here today. The Holy Spirit is in us. But the Holy Spirit is a promise where we can be filled and where we can receive the power of God to be effective witnesses or, in another word, martyrs, so that we are effective living sacrifices. Um, and please turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 7, verse 38. Um, we read, And he who believes in me, Jesus speaking, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. It, it blows me away to think, um, Jesus we know and we're convinced came to earth as man for an, at an appointed time, right? He came at, at that appointed time that God had for him to, to be born on earth. 
And for all that, that lifetime and Jesus was here on earth, he was there. He's here. He was here on earth um, for that appointed time until we saw or we see that he ascended. You know, in Acts, when we read on, uh, he ascended. And, and that was the time that God had appointed for Jesus to be on earth. The Holy Spirit being part of God, being part of the Trinity, um, the, the three, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are one, is here for an appointed time. God, Jesus Christ, sent that promise. He made that promise. He told the disciples, wait for me. And that's where the church was born. And to this day, that Holy Spirit is among us. That Holy Spirit is working within us. That Holy Spirit is real. And that Holy Spirit is something that's necessary in our lives. If we want to have that power to be a living sacrifice, that power to, to give in, to give up those things that, that we are struggling with over and over, and that power to just live your life in, in for God and not for us. If you ever think about, if you, there's one verse that I love this verse because it's the purpose for us being saved. You ever think about what the purpose is for being saved? Um, you know, some will say, so that you can go to heaven. Yeah, that's part of it. Or so that you can be a witness. Yeah, that, that, that's, the, that's a fruit, yes. But the purpose for being saved is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So as you're turning there, so when I think about Jesus on earth, right? Fully God, fully man. You know, when I read these things, I always think of, oh man, you know, it would have been so different. You know, I would have... Man, if I was one of the disciples, I would have been all in. I would have been there. You know, I would have done all these different things. And, and if, I, if only I lived at that time, if only I was there to witness Jesus, to see Jesus, you know, to, to hold him, to talk to him, to ask him questions. If only I had that access back then, how awesome that would be. But he gave us the Holy Spirit. And it's here. We're living acts. We're living that time. So now we're not living the gospel. We're not the disciples that were there when Jesus was physically on earth, fully God, fully man. But we're living acts. We're still in that story. And, and now is the time. Now is the time. If we have not surrendered completely, now is the time. We shouldn't delay in any way. You see, before I read this verse, um, we want things from God. We want peace. You know, think of all the things we want. I want my prayers answers. God, if this person will only be saved, if this person will only do this, if that person, a lot of times our prayer, I don't know about you, but my prayers, I find myself, I'm praying about that other person and what they need to do. But a lot of times we forget that that's meaningless unless we have that inner sanctification, that change, that power of the Holy Spirit that God wants to do within our hearts. And, and the things that we ask for, are we willing to give things up for those things? So we want peace. 
Um, or maybe, you know, we, we pray to God and, Lord, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. But then I'm not willing to give up that show that I've been watching. I'm not willing to give up those friends that I know. They just, every time I'm with them, it's, it's you know, dirty joke after dirty joke or something. I'm not willing to give up those things around me that I know are in the way of what God wants to do in my life. Um, I'm not willing to, get, to give up myself. I'm not willing to stop worrying about what people are thinking about me or, or the gossip or what this person said or what that person said or trying to defend myself or trying to be a, a, you know, look good in the eyes of people. Am I willing to give those things up? Um, we hold on to those things, but then at the same time we want to be filled by the Holy Spirit. Uh, and then we, we hold on to um, our comforts and, and we hold on to us you know, being put on a pedestal, but then we want the Holy Spirit. The presence of God is something that should melt us. Like um, I think it's Psalm 97 says the presence of God melts the, I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, the mountains melt like wax at the presence of, of God. And the mountains melt like wax. And when I look at the, the men of God in the Bible that, had, that we read the accounts of them um, physically having this encounter with God, you know, I, I see Moses, that he hid his face. And, and I see Isaiah that said in chapter 6, verse 5, woe is me, I'm undone. And in Revelations, um, you know, we read John that we're going through the book of, of Revelations that he fell as one dead. And um, that's humility. That's surrender. That's us being powerless. We want God's power, but we want our power as well. But are we willing to give up our power, our rights, um, you know, all those things that we're holding on to, our pride, are we willing to walk in humility? So in closing, the purpose of being a Christian is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them, and rose again. I'm convicted. I don't know about you. <laughs> am, I, am I living for myself? And, and everything that Jesus did for us, and, and remember, we read in, in the, at the beginning of Acts the account of what Jesus began. So it's not just what he did, but everything that Jesus continues to do for us is so that we would live no longer for ourselves. And we can try to not live according, for ourselves by our own strength, but we just love ourselves way too much. And it's very hard for us to stop living for ourselves. The only way that we're going to learn to live for God and not live for ourselves and fulfill the purpose that Jesus has for every single one of us 
is if we receive that power of the Holy Spirit that he promised, that we become living sacrifices and we become those witnesses for Jesus. And again, it's easy for us, easy in the sense that the requirement has already been fulfilled. It's already been done. Jesus already paid the price on the cross. Jesus has already sanctified us, those who believe and have received that gift of salvation. Now he just asks us to wait, to pray. Um, you know, they have time to go through the rest of um, the verses that I had, but we'll read from 9 to 14, and then we'll, um, we'll close in prayer. So in Acts chapter 1, verse 9, so when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up in a cloud, and a cloud received him up out of their sight. So I, I always think of like a, watching a rocket, if you've ever seen it, like go up, go up, go up until you can't see it anymore, or a balloon, you know, when it floats up. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Verse 12, then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room. They were there staying, Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, and James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. If the worship team can please come up, we're gonna close soon in prayer. So Jesus commanded them to wait. Jesus was stayed, remained on earth after resurrecting for 40 days. We know that Pentecost happened at a specific time. And we can deduct that it was like seven to 10 days that they spent waiting until what we know of Pentecost and, and what we know of what God did. Um, you know, for us looking back, you know, thinking about it and reading the scriptures, it's so easy for us. We say, and we think about, it, oh, 10 days. You know, I would have waited 20 days. I would have waited 30 days. Um, but keep in mind, and let's not lose track of the reality of where they were. They, they, they've been holding on to Jesus all this time. They saw Jesus brutally murdered and they see Jesus um, ascend and now they're alone. 120 people. The start of the church where we are today. The church that still is alive today. And let's say they, they're there waiting, praying. There's a promise of the Holy Spirit. First day, nothing. Second day, nothing. Third day, how long are you willing to wait? You know, how long are we willing to wait? And it's sobering because we live in such a fast-paced world 
and um, we can't, you know, I don't know, maybe we could, but we can't like say, hey guys, everybody take 10 days off and we're just going to sit and pray and wait. But we have so many opportunities, whether it's one hour, half an hour, 15 minutes, um, whatever it is, we have so many opportunities in the day for us to sit and wait. When was the last time we sat and waited? When was the last time we came before God in prayer to say, Lord, I believe in you. I, I have not been as effective as I would like to be. There's so many things, Lord, that are wrong with me. Lord, I wait for you. I wait for your strength. I wait for the power of your Holy Spirit. I wait for you to fill me. Um, this is not a thing that's one and done, but we always need that, that filling, that strength. And, and remember, it's not a strength that we hold on to. It's not a strength that makes us powerful. It's a strength that gives us the ability to deny ourselves, to be living sacrifices. In a sense, instead of being a strength that makes us powerful, it's a strength that makes us weak and allows God to be powerful in our life. So if anyone here has not, and if the pastors can come up for prayer, um, first of all, if you haven't received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I pray you realize that he is real, he's living, um, he paid the price for every single one of our sins, and he's taken the wrath upon himself so that you can just say, Lord, I received that. And as easy as just you whispering it wherever you're at right now, that's how easy it is to receive that gift of God. And if anyone here, and like you and me, we feel dry, we, we, we had experiences with the Lord, but then we're called to walk by faith, so we, we are holding on to his word. We're holding on to, to the things that we have seen him do in our lives. Let's not forget the miracles that God has done in our lives. I always go back to certain miracles that I know that beyond a shadow of a doubt, man wouldn't have done it. You know, and one of them is my marriage, and I always go back to that, that God delivered me from walking away from my marriage. I was so close, and I know it was God. And to this day, I always go back thinking of that moment before where I thought this was impossible to fix. But he did it. And, and I know that that was by the power of his Holy Spirit. And all of us here today, we have that access we just have to desire to give up ourselves, to get out of the way, and to come to the Lord and say, Lord, I need you. Now, keep in mind, even as the disciples were here and they were praying for 10 days, and, and even throughout the gospel and throughout things we know, and throughout um, Acts, and throughout the epistles, a lot of times things don't feel great. It doesn't mean that you don't, you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not about feelings. It's not about goosebumps. Like I remember those, those gospel preachers would say, oh, I'm feeling, I'm feeling the goosebumps. No, that's your, the AC. You're cold. <laughs> but it, the Holy Spirit is not goosebumps. The Holy Spirit is not feelings. The Holy Spirit is a sense of I'm not worthy. 
of yielding to God. It's his strength. It's his power. So if any of you want to receive that baptism, that filling, know that it's not a feeling. Know that it's, that God said it, that Jesus promised it, that he has it for us. And just like um, salvation is something that's a gift that was given to us, it's a gift that it's only going to be um, applied to your life, salvation, until you receive it. For God so loved the world that he gave his son, that whosoever believes in him will be saved. People can live their whole lives without accepting that. But then when they do accept it, they receive that gift of salvation. And the Holy Spirit is the same thing. It's a gift. When you look at um, the Bible and you see the Old Testament, you see the presence of God, how that was such an intense, far out thing, you know? And, and you know, like people dying, you know, coming to the, the foot of the mountain. And then you see Jesus and God gets closer to us. And now he's man. And now God is even closer to us. It's the Holy Spirit. Now, now it's not just a loud voice. Now it's not just a man walking among us. Now it's, he's in our heart. And it's something that's available to every single person that will just say, yes, I have confidence in your word. I know, Jesus, what you said is true. I know this is from you. I want it. I receive it. So anyone who wants to come up for pray, to pray, please pray as we close. I'm going to close in prayer. And um, just know that even if uh, you're not here or you're in live stream, you can be wherever you are, asking, waiting, confident that this is a promise from God, that you want to experience that power that allows you to be a living sacrifice. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you, Jesus, that you have given us so many precious promises and that you yourself were, walked on earth was the fulfillment of a promise and that your, your sacrifice and, and your uh, resurrection was another fulfillment, fulfillment of a promise and, and that that's there and we've received that and we've said, yes, Lord, I receive your gift of salvation. So, Lord, I pray that each and every one of us may also receive that, fillness, that fullness, that, that gift that you have of the power of the Holy Spirit being real in our lives and more alive and, and, and that we may be baptized and filled with that strength, Lord. Knowing that it's not something that makes us any spe more special or that turns us into something else, but it's something that allows us to be living sacrifices so that we may live the rest of our lives no longer for ourselves, but for you. And that we can see you work through us, Lord. Thank you for your church, Lord. Thank you that your church has not completely gone away, Lord, but that your spirit is moving upon your people. So Lord, now I pray for anyone who is wanting to receive that gift of the Holy Spirit, including myself, to be filled more and more 
Lord, I ask that you may come upon us and fill us with that gift. Confident knowing that it's a promise that you gave Jesus from, the, from your own mouth. So Lord, I believe you. I believe you, Jesus, and believe what you have said. So I surrender my life and I give up those things that I hold on to, the things that I've been um, planning, the things I've been trying to accomplish on my own strength, the people that, that I've just been um, too weak to let go and, and not 